Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Man! Wow, man, freak out! You're listening to the Brenton on Tour podcast. That's right. He travels the world running concerts and searches for the best coffee, people, and amazing stories so you don't have to. Pay attention, you're going to learn something for a change. This is a show about all of those things and much, much more. You're blowing my mind right now. This is, I hope someone's recording this. So settle in for a cup of amazing coffee. He's a coffee snob, by the way. Crank that ghetto blaster and enjoy the 150,000 ranked podcast in the land. Ah, fake laugh. Hiding real pain. I think that's an exaggeration. It's the Brenton on Tour podcast. Any questions? Here's BD. This, for the people watching at home, is a coffee. One of my favorite things I've discovered around the world, obviously, as you guys know. We've dabbled with many coffee episodes in the past. Of course, I had the journey for Java, had a bunch of um, uh, this whole this whole show started with coffee. I get a ton of requests to keep coming back to coffee. So when I want to do that and when I want to come back to coffee, I like to talk about the, the, the business in general, what's happening in the coffee business and, and sort of how it's going around the world. And one of my greatest discoveries around the world, as you know, and if you've paid attention to this show, is in Oslo, Norway, with this guy, Tim Wendelbo. It's got one, he's got one of the best cafes in the world. It's an AeroPress cafe. It's fantastic. He's just a, a wonderful human being. And I like to have him on once a year to kind of check in on the coffee business, see what's going on. And uh, see if there's anything new that he can uh, can let out of the bag, but also give us a little bit of a breakdown as to what's happening uh, in the world of coffee and Java and all the rest of it. So, without further ado, welcoming back to the show, my old friend Tim Wendelbo. How are you, sir? Hello, hello. I'm very well. How are you? Well, I like this today. You are in the actual. Uh, you're in your in your your lab there it looks yeah. like for people watching at home i'm gonna i'm gonna expand this but uh tim's got an amazing lab uh that um he's got uh, you know where i tried cupping for the first time and he's got a whole bunch of different gadgets what do you got back there you got it looks like you got grinders back there i see your coffee beans <laughs> back there yeah uh, i got a couple of fancy coffee machines uh there's like a on this side uh that's a, a machine u.s made machine called beacon that vacuum extracts coffee and tea and stuff and then i got a pretty uh which side is it this side the espresso machine there is a decent espresso machine which is uh, an amazing machine where you can look at pressure profiles and stuff like that and then probably five six seven grinders behind me (laughs) (laughs) everything for testing you know when I uh, talk about coffee, people are like, how can you have a coffee podcast? And you have one, and I'm not sure if you're still doing it. Are you still doing a coffee podcast? or is it? Yeah, we, we actually made episode 20 yesterday, so it's still running. 
It's uh, it's people talk about how can you spend so much time talking about coffee, and, and it it's amazing to me because as we mentioned last year, you 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 had the most downloaded episode of all time, uh, which wow. you know uh, with with my show uh, that was only trumped by I hate to use that word, but it was only trumped by by another uh, like by a musician that had come on, and um, but uh, I, I still get some super solid business from from your appearance. And, but people are super interested about coffee. Um, I've had Jeremy Gersey on who I've asked you some questions to and does the cloud roasting and all the rest of it. People are actually fascinated with coffee and they don't know that they are. In my, <laughs> they don't know that they are because people, they go to Starbucks and here in Canada, they go to Tim Hortons and they go, to, they just kind of do their thing. But when you introduce people to this coffee and, and, and what you do, around the world and how you you're so involved in, in setting the market and all the rest of it. I get people asking me, when are you going to have Tim back on? I didn't know that about setting the market and all the rest of it. So it's, it's always great to see you and it's And I'm glad you made the time. And I always like to get an update, especially out of what we've just gone through as to what's happening. So let's start first and foremost. How is Tim Wendelbow? How is Oslo, Norway? What's going on? Uh, I am doing great, and I think in the context of uh, what's happening around the world, uh, Norwegians and Oslo is, you know, very well off. Um, we have a huge uh, oil fund that uh, helps us through hard times, and uh, although we see a lot of inflation and interest rates going up and stuff like that, people still drink a lot of coffee, and especially during winter when it's cold uh, and dark all the time, because now it's dark outside, and... Uh, gets dark quite early. It was uh, almost freezing uh, below zero uh, this morning. So that means a lot of people drink more coffee. So for, <laughs> for myself and my business, we're doing great. We have been growing a lot through the pandemic and uh, uh, I've been able to actually stay home for a while and kind of uh, structure the business and uh, done a lot of kind of back-end work that you don't really see but uh that really benefits both the quality and uh, everyone who works with us and our customers as well of course you've got a subscription service so people can can uh you know get it sent to them all around the world i've had coffee sent to me all around the world yeah. from from you I had some friends of mine that sent me some for my birthday last year surprised, yeah. me, surprised me with uh with some coffee from from you and that was great and that was a nice surprise yeah. Um, you're still offering that service to ship around the world? Yeah, I mean, uh, actually, the, lately there has been some changes in like customs rules and stuff. So Europe is a little bit difficult to send to. We can still do it, but it's a little bit more expensive. Uh, the United States, no problem. We have a lot of sus subscribers there. It's actually the biggest market outside of Norway for us. And uh, we also sh ship to like China, Japan, Australia. <laughs> so there are, of course, some limitations because of customs clearance in some countries, but most countries it's okay. The um, is uh, how much of that of your business does that make up as far as the subscription service? Because your store is small, and I love yeah. it, and it's it's small, but you're not putting 500 people in there. I mean, it's no. it's it's a patient process because you know doing. Um, do, you know, doing an AeroPress takes, you know, what, what two minutes, right? Two minutes and a bit. Yeah. So, you know, right. it's it, some people, uh, North American, as we've discussed, are, are impatient when they want to drive through. <laughs> they just want to do the thing, get their coffee and leave, get in their car and drive. But in your particular case, you've got a, you're on a corner uh, beside, yeah. you know, you're on a corner that doesn't have a lot of parking. People have to walk up to you and wait. I 
you know? Actually, we uh, this summer it's been, um, I mean, Norway opened up again after the pandemic. So um, we had a lot of tourists and one of our kind of biggest uh, group of tourists are Americans, actually. And they yeah. love to be in our store for a long time and chat with us and drink a lot of coffee. So, But uh, to answer your question, our web sales, which is the majority of that is uh, our subscription, is about one fourth of our total sales in terms of volume. Um, but in terms of uh, like money, it's about uh, 30% of our business, I think, now. And it used to be, you know, a fraction of our business before the pandemic. So wow. that's that's the part of that has grown a lot during the pandemic. And of course, uh, our wholesale went down a lot. Like wholesale meaning selling to restaurants and cafes because everyone was closed. So, um, you know, when we send a thousand kilos of coffee uh, once a month to our subscribers, that takes a lot more work than if we did the same sale to, you know, 10 restaurants. <laughs> 1,000 kilos of coffee. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. I'm yeah, that's that's uh, what we do once a month. We we roast um, Monday, Tuesday, uh, and then we pack everything Tuesday, Wednesday. So uh, the first week of the month, and that's only for our subscription. And then we continue roasting the rest of the week for for all our other clients. And clarify for me: you roast on the Monday, Tuesday. You ship on the Wednesday. When should people drink that bag of coffee? By well, I, I normally would drink it maybe after a week or even a little bit longer. Uh, fresh coffee is has a lot of CO2 gas inside the beans. So um, when you try to extract the coffee when it's too fresh, the CO2 kind of wants to leave the beans and the water cannot enter properly. So that gives you a little bit sourness. So um, it's it's kind of like uh, if you need glasses and uh, you, you don't have your glasses on and you try to drink the coffee fresh, it's like you might perceive the flavors, but it's a little unclear. But if you wait another week uh, after roasting, like a week to nine days, it's like putting your glasses on and you can see everything clearly and the flavors are there and it's sweet and nice. So uh, normally it peaks around two weeks after roast, I would say. I'm going to show a little video here of that, that process at your, your, uh, your store because it's uh, oh, I was trying to here. Yeah, it's been a little bit silly, but I'll, I'll get to that. But it, the process of the AeroPress process, and a lot of people aren't familiar with what it is. And I, every <laughs> single person that I've introduced to the AeroPress is just like, this is the greatest thing I've ever, <laughs> ever found. Because it's like 30 to 40 bucks. And it's it just makes this incredible coffee that you can make on the go. And, and uh, it's just an unbelievable process. So, yeah, I love yeah. it too. Yeah, and there's rumors they will, they, they will release some premium AeroPresses next year. Uh, in different Premium. Locations. What's yeah. defined as a premium AeroPress? Uh, instead of plastic, you might find a different material. That's all I can say. <laughs> okay. There you go. And, um, uh, my, they yeah. might also release a bigger version because they released a smaller version, but uh, everyone wants a bigger version because they want to make coffee for more people. So I know that's in... Uh, that's an, I, I'm not sure if I'm able to say that, but they didn't. I didn't sign anything, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm actually trying to get a, one of those for the, the smaller ones for travel right now because I got. Uh, I'm leaving again. I'm leaving again, and I'm going to be like an hour away from your farm. Oh, and I'm going to be in yeah. Colombia, and I'm just going to miss you because I think you're going there, and we'll get into the yeah. farm and all the rest of it. So, uh, my first question to you, and I'll and I'll uh, and I and I, I want to kind of get get uh 
get some of the rumor stuff out of the way because there is this tidy rumor going down the world is running out of Arabica bean. And, and I, and I'm curious first, if you can break down, like, you know, there's, there's many different beans, but Arabica, I think by trade is the most popular bean or, or at least with the, the, you know, the one that, that that's used the most in most coffees. And I've heard rumblings and read a bit that it is running extremely low around the world. And I'm curious what that means for the general public, but also, um, I know you do your own, you, you grow your own, but can you d- can dive into a little bit about what that means for the, for the world? This is a big topic, but, um, uh, just to make things simple, there are around 130 different species of coffee, uh, discovered in the world. And one species is Arabica and there are, uh, thousands of different Arabica varieties or cultivars. So um, that's the kind of most uh, popular one to grow. The other one you might have heard of is Robusta or Conifora. That's a different species. Uh, But the the flavor of those coffees are not as good for now. But the trees are more robust and less susceptible to disease and stuff like that. So um, that's why I think now it's like 60 or 70% of the total production in the world is Arabica coffees. But there are many different cultivars and some are more susceptible to diseases and fungus attacks than others. Uh, The problem is that um, we have global warming, whether you believe it or not. Things are getting hotter and different (laughs) (laughs) around the world. So uh, you see a lot of these fungal fungal attacks on uh, the coffee trees that makes them lose their leaves. And when they lose their leaves, they cannot produce cherries and uh, the beans are inside the cherries. So you have problems with that and that greatly reduces the production. So this has been a problem for many, many years and uh, there are different research stations around the world uh, developing new cultivars with the crossbreeding and stuff like that uh, and developing more resistant cultivars. But it turns out that uh, after a while, they normally uh, get susceptible to fungal attacks because the fungus mutates just like the coronavirus. It changes. So... This is one strategy that's going on and there's a lot more uh, money and effort going into those kind of breeding programs at the moment. And they're also researching other species if we can grow. There are, for instance, one called Stenophylla, uh, one called Rasemosa, and uh, some of them are drought resistant, some are uh, more resistant to fungal disease and stuff like that. So uh, we might discover new species that taste great. Um, maybe not the same as Arabica, but different, but in a good way. Um, and, um, maybe we'll grow that in the future. So, uh, we don't have to fear anything. Like you probably read that by 2080, all coffee will be distinct, but, uh, extinct, but that's not, um, that's not the case. <laughs> We're specifically talking about wild coffee, uh, in that case, in that report, wild coffees of, uh, Ethiopia. But, um, you know, that, uh, Arabica coffee grows in high elevations in top of mountains and uh, the global warming is getting heating the world. So that means we have less and less mountain tops to grow on because you have to grow coffee higher and higher to get the cool climate. Um, but it, it, it means also that you might be able to grow coffee in different areas that you didn't use to grow coffee before because coffee trees, they don't like frost. And that's why at the moment the uh, commodity prices are very high because there was a frost in Brazil a year ago, which meant all the production 
failed, more or less, in Brazil, which is the largest producer of coffee. But um, you do see coffee being grown in California now, which, you know, never was the case before because it was too cold. Um, so, yeah, the world is getting hotter and the areas where that was suitable for growing Arabica coffee before and still today might not be suitable in the next 50 years. So you also see in Ethiopia that there, there's other areas that might be more potential in, in the future for growing coffee. Do you see then uh, it turning into a lab scenario? <laughs> coffee lab where it's like, well, we'll just build a giant greenhouse, a massive greenhouse and, and, and make that version. Like the world's not going to run out of coffee as you're saying, but I'm assuming though that um, pricing will change or at least the, if it if it is you know as you said that we're running out of mountains and and the frost yeah. and all these things are kind of hitting these things it is drastically going to change the market I would think like what does that mean for the for the for the actual business itself <laughs> I mean uh, I can only speculate but uh, I I truly believe that the the top quality coffees will still exist but they will probably be more expensive there's going to be more demand for it and less uh, production and. Uh, Producing coffee is quite expensive. And if you want to do it really well, like high quality, it's even more expensive. So mm-hmm. um, that's like one thing that I think might happen. It's going to be more of a luxury, the the best quality coffees, an, an affordable luxury, I have to say, because it's still quite cheap compared to you know other luxuries like wine and caviar and <laughs> stuff like that. Um, and then you might see the kind of commodity coffees that are cheaper and lower quality. Uh, the quality might go up there as well, but in a different way. They might grow uh, more robusta, uh, which is the species that is very common in uh, to grow in Vietnam and uh, certain parts of Brazil. And, and there's a substantial amount of people that that I've learned. There's a substan- since I've studied coffee or since I've do- dove into it. There's a substantial amount of people that just don't obviously care. They'll just grab yeah. coffee off the shelf and they'll and whatever they Tim Hortons, Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts. We've, we've dove into that before people just want some kind of coffee. They add cream and sugar and they move on. Um, but it's the people like myself that study down on it that go, you know, I'm willing to pay obviously five bucks a cup at your place or, or, or <laughs> six bucks a cup at your place because I, because yeah. I know how you are involved in setting the pricing and how you're in, trying to sustain this market and also trying to take care of the farmer and trying to take care of his, his or her workers um so that's important to me as a coffee drinker and and i do drink starbucks and i do have one when i'm when i'm in in certain areas but i definitely try to support local um but there's more casual coffee drinkers than there are coffee snobs like myself so that's why you know i I guess the 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 coffee business itself will, will sustain uh, because people just, okay, well, I'll just switch to that coffee. But the coffee snob like myself gets worried that, you know, we're going to be paying 12 bucks a cup soon, you know, yeah. when, we, when we try to search out the good stuff, you know? Yeah. May, I, I don't think the prices will reach to that level, you know, in the near future, but, uh, you know, in the distant future for sure. Um, and I, I mean, it's interesting that you say that because, uh, coffee is, I think the second most, uh, consumed beverage after water right. <laughs> you know water water is kind of water it, you can have some water that is slightly better than others but uh yeah you kind of drink it because you're thirsty and uh, coffee you drink because you enjoy it and 
uh, even though you don't might not think about it in every single situation. Uh, I feel that most people that I talk to about coffee are passionate about trying to find a better cup of coffee, <laughs> whether it's like the lowest, cheapest one or uh, the more expensive one. They always want something that's yeah. better. And and people people do understand that there are differences. Like if you enjoy a Coca-Cola, it's more or less the same everywhere, except, you know, if you're really into the details of it. Um, sure. But, um, that's but, the uh, same with, with whiskey. It's the same with wine. It's yeah. the same with, and I, I've touched on that with, with coffee, like, you know, obviously I have my personal preferences and favorites and stuff, but I, but part of the discovery for me is I try to find all the best coffee in the world, which led me to your shop because it was <laughs> yeah. like, I'm trying when I'm in these markets, it's easy to go down to Starbucks. Sure. It's easy to go to Dunkin' Donuts here in Canada. It's easy to go to Tim Hortons. It's sort of the national thing that you do, but you know, I've got five incredible coffee shops in my little town right yeah. here and they film some of the biggest movies in this little town from the world and tv shows right here and those businesses are keeping these coffee shops alive because they're just going in because we're in a rural part of, of vancouver or british columbia like any part of canada so easy to just go through the drive through and get a coffee <laughs> and leave you really have to make an effort to go into these stores to support them which yeah. is why I'm a massive supporter of what you do, but also discovering uh, your place, you know, through through uh, European Coffee Trip and and uh, and and Google. It was amazing, and and ever since I've discovered your your world and how you do business, my whole coffee experience has completely changed. How I go about how I go about doing I'm it, which sorry. leads me no in a good in a good way, but but I but it leads me to you know we we discussed before about about setting the market um, where Starbucks, McDonald's, Tim Hortons, some of these big conglomerates are going to pay a certain price per per pound. You're part of a group that's that sets sort of a a bit of an indie price or at least a, a market for you. So how do you go about setting the price for the market? to take care of the farmer and the workers and also be able to sustain your business? Wow. Um, well, I, I don't feel like I'm setting the price for the market, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm negotiating price directly with the producers that I buy from. And uh, yeah. we of course have a middleman that kind of negotiates for both parties, which is normally the exporter. But but to be honest, it's not really a negotiation. I, I normally offer a price and uh, the farmers are normally more than willing to accept that price. Um, and that's because we, we are paying more than market price. And when I say market price, I don't mean market price for commodity coffee. I mean market price for quality coffee. They are two different things. Um, what's, so, the definition now, between, what's the definition between those two? Oh, the C market price, which is the commodity coffee, it's set on the New York exchange and uh, it's uh, supply and demand, you know, stuff like that. Uh, nobody talks to the farmers. <laughs> so um, it's how traders. Poli how, are how political is that? How political, it, like any other business, like whether it be the chicken business or the the, 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 <laughs> yeah. the, the cigarette business or the, or the gun business or whatever, I would imagine that, that, that commodity there's got to be some politics involved in setting that price. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, there are a, a few huge players uh, dealing with the green coffee in the world and uh, and uh, also with the roasted coffee, which like uh, Nestle would be one of them. Starbucks would be, you know, not the biggest one, but a big, big player. Dove Egberts is a big one. Um, so obviously there's, you know, stuff that's, 
it's not necessarily about coffee when it comes to pricing. And, you know, it's coffee is sold by contract. And I think a coffee contract can be bought and sold like 10 or 11 times before the actual coffee was even produced, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not dealing with that market at all. I mean, we, we look at that market because at the moment the prices are pretty high. So we have to make sure that we're above that, but um, uh, still we're paying higher prices. And for me, um, we, we now have a new kind of benchmark for quality coffee, which is called the Specialty Coffee Transaction Guide. And um, it's based on numbers that donors uh, give uh, give to the to a group of students in Emory University. So they gather all these prices that people have paid for coffee and the amount of coffee, the quality, and so on. And then they make like uh, statistics on what are the market price for if you're buying, let's say, 100 bags of this quality, uh, in Guatemala, for instance, and then you can get average prices. So at the moment, I think the kind of average price for uh, quality coffee, which is kind of higher quality coffees, is about $3.50 per pound. And the sea market has, you know, revolved around $1 to $1.50 for many years. At the moment, it's probably closer to three. But um, those are two different products. You know, it's one is generic, one is uh, traceable, uh, specific uh, coffee. I, I find that fascinating because since the first time we spoke, I mean, those prices have gone up, like gas has gone up, everything's gone up, but, but that C market always seemed very low to me. And the yeah. fact that it's gone to $3 is, is, I mean, it's the far, it's the farmer's still paying just as much for fuel and all the rest of it. So, it, you know, obviously yeah. everything's going to move along with it, but it is fascinating to me that it's gone up that much i can explain uh, i mean it went up quite a lot uh, during the last year because uh, there was as i said earlier a frost in brazil that yeah. kind of demolished uh, probably i don't know the exact number but let's say 70 percent of the of the crop in brazil and what because the trees wilt because of the frost um, and that means they're not able to produce for like two years uh, and that means there is no surplus of coffee in the world and the prices go up. <laughs> and um, the problem now is that even though the prices are high, um, like in Colombia, for instance, uh, the exporters are desperate to buy coffee. So they'll pay really good prices for coffee that is not very good quality and not even dried, you know. So mm. for the farmers, it's great. The problem is the fertilizer prices in Colombia has tripled uh, in the last year. Uh, labor cost has gone up, electricity, gasoline, foods, everything has become a lot more expensive. And that's okay because the coffee prices are up, but when Brazil comes back to produce uh, in full capacity again, the prices will most likely go down again because we've seen this cycle many times before. Mm. Uh, and then, But the fertilizer price, the food price and everything will stay high. And that means the farmers are losing even more money. So uh, that's why we need to get them out of this kind of loop of uh, commodity production. And that's why I'm kind of dealing with the higher quality so we can uh, uh, work together with producers, elevate the quality, make it more consistent, make it more predictable, both for them and for me, so I can buy directly from them and negotiate prices directly based on what it actually costs to produce and what they need to make a profit. This is your place in Colombia, <laughs> yeah. and uh, there you are there. And I, I just can't believe I'm going to miss. I'm literally like I've been dying to get to your place. Uh, here's a little video from your place. Stand by, everybody. Uh, pretty stoked to show you this. So uh, check it out.
So how do you pronounce the Fianco El Suelo? <laughs> Finca, which means farm. El Suelo yeah. means uh, the soil. So it's a soil farm. Yeah, <laughs> very, very cool. Uh, that's uh, that's that's your place, and uh, I just think pretty it's, old video. <laughs> it's an old video, but yeah. that sounds that sounds like a you guys have to update and get a video. I could have filmed yeah. some stuff. I'm just gonna I'm gonna yeah. be there in a week on Tuesday. It's <laughs> so. embarrassing. I'm you know I'm there like four times a year or even five times a year, and it's embarrassing. I haven't updated that site for since I started it. So, uh, but you know what? It, it gives people an idea as to, to the flow and anyone, you know, listening, you would have missed that, but anyone watching, uh, you, you definitely see a, a bit of the process there. Uh, um, so you go four times a year yeah. to there and, uh, what's that process for you, um, from going there? Like when you go four times, is is each trip different? Like this is the first one is to check the, the soil. The second one is to check this. The third one is to check this. Or is there, oh. are all four visits the same? It's pretty much the same, actually. Uh, I, I, I also go because I buy coffee from Elias. Uh, I bought my piece of land from Elias, who is Finca Tamana. Uh, and I live at his farm because it's, you know, two minute walk to my farm and I don't have a house on my farm. So, <laughs> Since I buy a lot of coffee from him, I also go there to to you know work with him and also to sometimes uh, cup coffees and select coffees and and so on. So in that case, it's a little bit different from time to time. But for the work that I do on my farm, it's it's pretty much routine and uh, it's based around making compost uh, mainly. So I normally stay two to three weeks. Um, the first thing I do when I come down is to start uh, making compost. I normally call Elias uh, a couple of weeks before to ask him to gather material for the compost pile. And uh, then we, you saw it in the video, actually, I was uh, kind of putting some material into this uh, net and uh, that's how we make compost. So we make thermal compost. I took a class with uh, Dr. Elaine Hingham, who is, I think, one of the leading soil scientists in the world and soil biology. So we're trying to really make an inoculum in the compost. Um, based on growing microorganisms. So think of it as being like a sourdough starter that you put out in your farm to 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 give life back into the soil and microorganisms back to the soil. And that's kind of what grows our plants. It's a microorganism who cycle the nutrients in the soil and, and make it available for the plants. So if you're lacking the microorganisms, the trees will die. And finally, you saw in the video, we were actually planting around 6,000 coffee trees. Uh, you saw we working in the field there. And all of those trees disappeared. <laughs> so no they died. Yeah. And uh, we planted them in 2015. And uh, my land was, you know, basically uh, just grazed by some cows and untouched. And the soil was in terrible condition. And uh, I didn't really know, have enough knowledge when I started uh, growing coffee. So we just dug a really really small hole like 10 centimeters and put the tree in and some compost and i've been putting a lot of compost around and everything but uh, they just wilted because the roots weren't able to grow and the soil was too compact and too dead so uh, i started in 2019 again so this was in 2015 when i planted the first trees and uh, in 2019 i started planting trees with a new technique where we dug a huge hole like a meter wide and centimeter 60 centimeters deep I've, basically as far as you can go with a shovel um and then uh, we put a lot of material in there and kind of composted the material in that big hole and then after two months we put the young tree in the in the hole 
and then it grew like crazy. So I'm actually drinking right now uh, coffee from those trees. Um, Amazing. Because I'm out of your I'm out of your product, so I have to get <laughs> some more. But I haven't uh, been home very much. Yeah. <laughs> no. But they, those trees produced after two years uh, and are three meters tall now. And I have to actually cut them down again so they can grow up because they're getting too tall. But um, I think it's a so, fascinating story that you, you've you got one of the best coffees in the world. You've got one of the most amazing <laughs> shops in the world. Yet you, like anybody else uh, and everyone listening, please, and watching, is that, you know, I guess – you know, even you make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes in their in their in their journey to to success. But I mean, that seems like a pretty big mistake. You know, <laughs> like and the fact that you've bounced back and uh, the fact that they died, you bounced back and you done it, and you still came out of that with one of the best coffees in the world. I mean, 2018 is when I discovered your coffee. So if 2015 you planted them and you lost them in that process. I wouldn't know the difference because you've been able to just, you have such amazing beans and, and pro product there. So it's very, interesting I have to, to say that. we have, we have only, I mean, we haven't produced coffee until, uh, end of last year. And the first time we actually sold some of my own coffee was, uh, in, I think it was March this year, our website crashed. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but we're so going to sell some, I think in December. So most of that's from Ale uh, uh, Elias. Elias, yeah. So yeah, that's yeah, a different farm, and yeah. but I mean we're working very closely. So I've been helping him plant new varieties, uh, helped him clean up the process and drying, and you know we work together very hard to improve the quality. And it's kind of step by step, but uh, every year it gets just a little bit better, uh, sure. which is great. Uh, a couple more for you. I, I want to know how strong is the coffee business post pandemic. <laughs> Did people drink more coffee during the pandemic? Did it lead to more business? You've reopened. The world's kind of back to normal-ish. But how strong is the coffee business post-pandemic? I've, I've spoken to a lot of uh, roasters over the last two, three years. And uh, most of them say that they've had an increase in business. Um, I think most... Roasters also see that the business has changed. Like uh, we used to do a lot more wholesale and that would be like the majority of our business. And today it's only 40% of our business uh, because the web sales and subscription service grew a lot. And I think the pandemic made people realize that they could prepare delicious coffee at home uh, and it's much cheaper than going to a coffee shop. And uh, there's a lot of geeks who like to geek out with coffee and uh, they realize, you know, uh, they can get really high quality beans and prepare them sometimes better at home than in some coffee shops. <laughs> uh, I have a couple of uh, customers who are really, really like on top of the range when it comes to brewing coffee. So um, um, I think, you know, the coffee industry has been strengthened during the pandemic, uh, but I'm really curious to see now what's going to happen after Christmas, because uh, we know inflation is really, really high and interest rates are going up. And uh, like uh, it, 20 years ago, it was very rare that I would go to a restaurant and eat uh, dinner, you know, that I couldn't afford it. And uh, not just because I was not earning a lot of money, but it was just expensive. And then it has become a lot cheaper in the, in the recent years. And 
you know, people in Oslo can go out and eat uh, maybe two times a week if they want to. But uh, I think that's going to change. And uh, that means wholesale business is going to change as well, a lot uh, for coffee businesses. So it will be interesting to see um, how coffee is consumed in the next years, uh, because I don't think it will be consumed less because it's still a very affordable luxury. But I think the consumption will change. Like, where do you drink the coffee? Do you do it at home or in the office? Right. Or um, So, yeah. People, I, like I trends, people like trends. They like to jump on things and, and do the, the whole home thing. You've got an incredible home roaster behind you. Well, in that, at least when I was in that, <laughs> that, that lab called Ro- it's Roost, right? How you say it? Roost, Rust, yeah. Roost. Roost. Uh, Roost. And it's an incredible, like, device that I would, you know, that I'm, I'm, uh, well, you're talking about affordability. It's not <laughs> quite, quite there as a Canadian having to buy Canadian to euros. But, um, yeah. if that thing drops about another two and a half grand, Ooh, might be some, home yeah. roasting. but there is some, there is some home roasting people can do. And I don't think people realize that they can actually do that at home. They just got to put the time in. I mean, people yeah. are growing weed at home. People are making their own wine. You can actually make your own coffee at home, and I think that uh, people need to know that. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you can roast coffee at home, but uh, it's going to take a long time before you're yeah. very happy. So, you know, don't expect to be happy with the first uh, batch you do. You, you probably have to do like 30, 40 batches, and then you have sure. to wait and then taste and then do again. And so, uh, it's for uh, if you're really, really into it, great, you know. But uh, it's kind of like espresso as well. If you're really into it do it. But if you're just, yeah. you know, oh, it would be nice to have an espresso at home. Don't do it. You know, drink espresso in a coffee shop and then brew uh, filter coffee or V60 or AeroPress at home. That's much, much easier to succeed. with. And remember, one of the best roasters in the world kills <laughs> his, his own plants. So it can happen to anybody. It can happen to anybody, but he's still got one of the best. It's going to take time, people. You're not going to get it in the first shot just like i've got a i've got a basic breville upstairs which is great for uh i've got the um barista express which is awesome and it uh it does a really good a really good espresso for what i need at home double shot espresso it's perfect so i've been able to dial it in and get it to the spot where i was there but it took me about probably 30 cups to 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 get that so it is an experiment people it is an experience um to get it right but once you get it right and you got it at yeah. home. It's incredible. So, I think you know people people put a little bit too much effort into getting the top quality equipment. They should be putting the effort into getting the top quality coffee. Because if there you have really you high quality coffee, it's quite easy to su- succeed, even with a quite cheap grinder and an aeropress. I mean, that's Absolutely. not a very really expensive exp- equipment. Uh, last one for you. What's next for Tim Wendelbo? What's 23 look like for you? The farm, the business, uh, online, YouTube, all the things that you're talking about after we just discussed you updating all your websites, what's happening for you next? <laughs> um, well, my farm is going to produce, uh, because I was there in, uh, uh, August and all the trees were with flowers and there's a lot of young trees growing up now so they will produce next year so we'll see a little bit more coffee from there and uh, so I'm, I'm putting a lot more effort into the farm next year to make uh, sure we can plant more and, and grow more coffee uh, aside from that the, the business I hope will sustain itself uh, we're looking uh, towards a difficult year I think but um I've had my wife uh, working here for the last two years and she's helped me restructure the company and, and done a lot of kind of internal work. So we are 
better prepared for the future. And, you know, we're trying to improve our customer service, the quality of our coffee, uh, the way we roast, uh, everything. Um, so hopefully uh, in that case, it, it will be a little bit better for us next year, I think. Um, personally, I'm a, a very uh, <laughs> passionate golfer, so I hope my handicap will go down to a single handicap. <laughs> oh, man, I've been working on that all year. I'm all over the place. I'm a giant mess right now. You know what I mean? It's a, it's an absolute mess for me. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I. I've been trying trying to get that down, but uh, maybe we'll get a round in when Ooh, I get to Oslo. Yes. Uh, yes. Not in the next six months or anything, because it's going to be minus thirty. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's awesome. Uh, here's a little taste of what you can uh, expect to find at uh, Tim's store uh, as far as um, this uh, recipe. Uh, looks pretty cool, and uh, I'll get that up on the screen for us here. That, my friends, is a old oh, – that's an air press, and a lot of people don't know what it is, but uh, that's the air press, and how you make it in Tim's shop is everything uh, that you could possibly want out of an air press experience, <laughs> and I love it so much. Listen, man, I'm so uh, glad you made the time today. Thanks so much, Tim. All the best to you for 23. Hopefully we'll see you. Uh, yeah. can't believe I'm going to miss you in Columbia. Yeah, but, next uh, time. Uh, no for the website. Uh, you can find him on YouTube and all the different places. Uh, any advice for a brand new coffee drinker? Uh, don't be afraid of trying stuff you've uh, never heard of and uh, keep an open mind. Yeah. And you can get out of your car. Yeah, <laughs> and sure. go in and go in. Awesome. Uh, do me a favor, stick around for a second, Tim. And uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, thanks, uh, Tim, for, for joining me this week. And uh, we'll catch Thank up in you. one second here, my friend, as we move through. Uh, that, my friends, is another episode of the Brenton on Tour podcast. That is my good friend, Tim Wendelbo from Oslo, Norway, one of my favorite cities in the world. Uh, uh, Tim touched on the idea about uh, being able to not necessarily go out for dinner. Uh, listen, that's the most expensive city in the world. So that's why. All right. It's, it costs you 47, you know, euros for a hamburger over there. So uh, yeah, it's, it's expensive. It's one of the most expensive in the world, but uh, his coffee is extremely affordable. And I, and I, and I, uh, I recommend that you get on the coffee service. Um, uh, this is Tim's uh, third appearance on the show and always a pleasure to have him on here to talk coffee. Hope you guys learned something uh, today, a little bit about the business, because um, I like to, to teach that we like to, you know, have you drink better coffee and also want you guys to, uh, to, um, I don't know, to just uh, have a different uh, coffee experience. You know, it's a big part of my life when I travel around the world. Part of this new season, obviously is sharing my experiences from around the world. Uh, people that I've met, whether it be online or in person or, you know, in an experience in one of my favorite places in the whole world to go when I'm on tour and mandatory stop for me, uh, when I'm in Europe, and close to uh, Norway is to hit Tim's. So Tim Wendelbow, uh, one of the best roasters in the world, a hell of an experience. I'm going to put some videos up on YouTube uh, of my experience there before the pandemic. Uh, so you can actually visit there now and go and enjoy some time. So that's the Britain on Tour podcast for another week. Uh, I am back on a plane, back on tour, just around the corner from Tim's farm in Columbia to get going to end the year, but uh, more episodes on the way. Uh, find me online, BrentonOnTour.com and all the places you find your pods. And uh, thanks for tuning in, watching and all the rest of it. Drink better coffee, my friends.
And uh, we'll see you next week. That is the Brenton on Tour podcast. Talk soon. Thanks. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at averyrich.com.